I love talking about money, but I realize that that's not necessarily a topic everybody likes to talk about. So my wife thought I should add a little humor to it this morning. So this is my attempt, all right? <laughs> Tom forgot his wedding anniversary. Anybody ever forgot your wedding anniversary? His wife was mad, which she should have been. She told him, tomorrow morning, I expect to find a gift in the driveway that goes from zero to 200 in six seconds, and it better be there. The next morning when his wife woke up, she looked out the window to find a box, gift wrapped in the middle of the driveway. She opened it and found a brand new bathroom scale. All right. Well, Tom has been missing since Friday. <laughs> All right. Thank you, my dear wife, for helping me with that part of the message. All right. Well, when I walked in the door this morning, I had two people greet me with the prophetic word that I need to be a sheep. And, uh, you know, one of the things I like about sheep is the fact that Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And so I expect that. In fact, uh, at 4 a.m. this morning, the Lord woke me up and said, I need you to go pray. And so I spent about an hour in prayer, and then he began to talk to me about this message and about each of you. And, uh, and then about 4.45, I said, is there something else I should write down? Because I was taking notes, and he said, no, you can go back to bed, but I have more to tell you later. And so I'm, I'm expecting him to perhaps speak to us during the service today. While, while he was talking to me this morning, he told me this. I'm just going to read this because he was speaking and I was trying to write as quickly as I can. And I will also tell you uh, that he was speaking to me in the softest, gentlest, most sincere voice. It wasn't dogmatic or demanding. It was just the heart of God saying these words. Your response to today's message would be the key to the breakthrough you're asking of him. Then he specifically told me this. Many of my people are serving me with their time and they're robbing me with their money. They justify that. Now, again, I want you to hear this. This is a very tender conversation. They justify that by saying that they're giving what they have. And then he said this to me. Let me say this with gentleness and with humility. We need your time. The church needs your time and your willingness to serve, but that does not replace your commitment to honor God with your tithe. He said, serving is not a test of the heart, giving is. Then he quotes this verse to me. Do you all have that on the screen? I think it's important that we all know God knows how to quote the Bible. <laughs> Scripture doesn't say that where your time or your talent is, there your heart will be also. It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, your time is a test of your obedience, and your talent is a test of your fruitfulness. But your money is a test of your heart. 
And then I ask God, why are you more interested in my money than my time or my talent? And his immediate, I mean, he was almost answering me before I could get the question out of my mouth. And he said, I always deal with the root first. Nothing changes until the heart changes. So I tell you that, and I'm going to interrupt this message to tell a few stories today if I have time. Pastor Sonny knows, hi Pastor Sonny, welcome back. Pastor Sonny tells me I always have time to tell stories, so we'll see. I have a timer, okay? When it goes off, I'm finished, all right? In the Gospel of Mark, we get a glimpse of Jesus' day-to-day pressures early in his ministry. And in Jesus' first recorded act of performing miracles and teaching and healing, it doesn't take long before the word spreads and crowds begin to gather and even with no social media or no TV or no radio, there's a huge crowd. But what does Jesus do in response to this overwhelming response to his ministry? After a full day of ministry, Jesus skips up early and goes to pray. See, I love this about Jesus. While we were still dark and sacrificing some well-earned sleep, Jesus chose to start his day with his father. Jesus knew he needed time to be restored, refreshed, and renewed. He needed encouragement and strength for the day ahead. And now I want you to think about this. If Jesus needed time with God, I know I do. And so do you. Jesus shows us that the most important appointment every day is the first appointment with God. All of us need to begin our days being renewed and strengthened by our Heavenly Father. And starting our days with God means leaning on His strength rather than our own strength as we go throughout the day. It means staying focused on who we are and why we're here. And it means following the example of Jesus that starting every day with God. And he's establishing a principle that life goes better when we do first things first. Now this message is the principle of the first. But I want you to realize the principle doesn't just apply to money. It applies to our entire lives. I'm going to speak on how it applies to money. But if, if God's not first in every area of our life, he'll never be first in your money. Matthew 6.33 says... Is that right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God, Jesus was responding to the need for material things when he said this. You see, if God is first in your life, then everything will come into order. Abiding by the principle of the first will bring blessing no matter what trial or difficulty you're going through. The principle of the first is the most important principle in the Blessed Life series, And the principle of the first is the principle that runs throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's the principle about making sure that God is first in every area of our life, including our money. In Exodus, God told Moses to consecrate the firstborn among the children and the beast. Throughout the Scripture, the firstborn always belonged to the Lord. Many times we try to do the right thing, but we often insist in doing it our way instead of God's ways. I shared an offering message a few weeks ago about this is we know what we should do we just we want to do the right thing but we want to do it our way and can i tell you that that will never work out the way you think or hope it will it only works out when you do the right thing god's way our obedience to god's principles and his ways reveals a condition of our heart so if they'll put exodus 13 on the screen this is the key verse the Lord spoke to Moses saying consecrate that word consecrate means set apart to me all the firstborn whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel both of man or beast is mine 
And then it goes down to verse 12. It says, you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord's. And in verse 13 it says, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of, of man among your sons shall be redeemed. Now, there's a principle here. Now, I know that most of us didn't bring donkeys and sheep with us to church today. And you didn't get paid with a donkey on Friday. But, but there is a principle here that we need to understand. And that is, the firstborn had to be sacrificed or redeemed. In Exodus, the firstborn among beasts that were clean had to be sacrificed. And the ones that were unclean had to be redeemed. In other words, bought back, substituted. These two classifications are example of what was to come. God's firstborn son, Jesus, was clean and had to be sacrificed. You and I were unclean. And therefore, we had to be redeemed. So, this is the point I'm getting to right here. God gave Jesus first, in advance, for every one of us. He didn't wait until after we got clean. He was sacrificed because he was clean so that we could be redeemed because we were unclean. So I want you to perhaps see this principle for the first time, this truth. Jesus was God's tithe. You bring the tithe first. You don't pay your bills first and see if you have enough left over to tithe. You bring the tithe first. It's the first 10%, not just 10%. It's the first 10% because it takes faith to bring the first to God. Now, I'm, I'm dwelling on this for a moment because I know there are a lot of Christians love God and they give 10% of their income, but it's not always the first 10%. And why would God differentiate between giving 10% and bringing the first 10%. Why is that little thing important? Well, because the first 10% requires faith. You see, if you make $1,000 and your tithe's 100 and you pay all of your bills for the month and you happen to have $100 left over and so you bring that tithe that doesn't require any faith. You've already paid all the month's bills and you're simply giving God the tithe, but it wasn't the first. It didn't require faith. It's getting that $1,000 and bringing the $100 first to God and then trusting that he's going to bless the remainder and it's going to be enough to cover those expenses for the month. And if there's more month than there is money, anybody here has experienced that? Okay? then somehow he will get sufficiency to you so that you will make it through the month. That's what requires faith. So we're going to illustrate this. I need, Pastor Chris, can I get an offering basket right next to you there? And Josh, did you complete your assignment? Okay. Let's just put this right here. All right. So thank you, Pastor Chris. Who has envelope number one? Okay. What's your name? Donovan. Donovan, come up here. You're going to help me this morning. Come on, Donovan. Oh, y'all give it up for Donovan. <laughs> Illustrated message. Have you opened that envelope already? You have not. Well, okay, would you open it now for me? Just tear it open real good. You're not going to keep the envelope. Just, there you go. Just make a big mess there somehow. There you go. Almost. Just stick your finger in there. Uh-oh, what's in there? Money. money is in there. All right. Well, how much money is in there? I'll take the envelope. All right. Well, open it up. 
Let's see what, okay. So can you count it for me real quick? $10. Now, if that was your weekly allowance, how much of that would be the tithe? Audience participation? One dollar. Okay, so what does it say on the very top dollar there? Okay, so if you get ten dollars and the tithe to ten, which of those ten dollars is the tithe? The first one. Would you like to tithe this morning? Yes, yes, your parents said yes. Okay, so would you put the one that has the first on it, just the one that says first on it, all right, now you know what you get to do with the rest of that? You get to keep it. Thank you, Donovan. God bless you. All right. All right. Now, some of you are thinking, my paycheck doesn't say which part's the first on it. All right. You see... 10 it's, it's not the 10% of the tithe that enacts the blessing. It's the faith that enacts the blessing when you bring the first 10% to God. See, for many of us, this is the missing part. I know it was for me. I had been tithing for over 20 years until I heard this message almost 25 years ago. And before that, I brought my 10%. It was seldom the first 10%, because I can tell you, there were, when you get paid, you ever find out there's a lot of people that got their hands out, they know it's payday, okay? Did you get paid today? Oh, okay. Electric bills do. We need food. We need gas, okay? We're hungry. Can we go out, you know? Anybody experience that? You see, we've been tithing, but not tithing the first 10%. It doesn't take faith to give 10% after you've paid all your bills. It's giving the first 10%. And the reason that I say that Jesus was God's tithe is because God gave Jesus first. He didn't wait to see if we'd clean ourselves up or straighten ourselves out before he decided. The Bible says that before he even created the world, it says Jesus was slain. Okay, that basically emphasized that that plan had already been set in place before the first day of creation. Romans says it this way, God gave Jesus in hope. In hope, the root word for hope is faith. In faith, God gave Jesus in faith. Now, in faith, trusting that we would respond to the gift of salvation, but does everybody respond to that gift? Okay. So does everybody respond to the gift of the blessing that comes on the tithe? See, we bring our tithe in faith, and in order for it to be in faith, it has to be first. Think about this. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, God said, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho into my house. Why didn't he say 10% of Jericho? It's simple, because Jericho was the first city. And you brought everything from the first into his house. The first portion is the redemptive portion. You see, when you give the first to God, the rest is redeemed. When you give the first 10% of your income to God, the curse is removed from the other 90%. We don't give the first portion to the mortgage company or to the electric company or to the grocery store. Because the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. So the first portion, the first 10% goes to God. So let me stop for a moment. Who has envelope number two? Envelope number two. Miss Loopy, the birthday girl, come down forward. <laughs> birthday girls. How are you today? 
I'm glad they already sing happy birthday so I don't have to. Do you have an envelope there? Have you already opened it and peeked? Or Could you open that for me? Okay, open that and see what's inside. You will not need the envelope again. There you go. Okay, what's in there? Money is in there. Nope, don't hand it to me. Okay. Okay. And uh, how much money is in there? $100 is in the envelope. Now, if, that, if you had gotten that for your pay this week, how much would be the tithe? Okay, and it even has the first on it. Okay, so would you like to tithe off that $100? Would you mind putting that in that envelope, that offering box right there? Now, do you know what you're going to do with the rest of that money? You're going to keep it. But you can give it to the church if you want to, all right? Happy birthday. Did you say, it's my birthday, is that what you said? All right, I have 19 minutes, so you all help me here. See, when Pastor Chris spoke last week, he talked about bringing the tithe into the storehouse. There's a specific reason that the scriptures use the word bring. The reason God uses the word bring instead of the word give is when he talks about tithing is you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You have two choices when it comes to the tithe according to scripture. You can bring it, okay? You don't even give your tithe. Because to give it assumes that it belongs to you. You bring it because it doesn't belong to you and you're returning it to the person it does belong to. And you're bringing it first because it takes faith to do it first. And by doing it first, God blesses the other 90% and multiplies it and calls it to be sufficient. You have two choices when it comes to the tithe. You can bring it or you can steal it. Now, I'll also confess to you there was a time in my Christian life when I was a thief. Because I didn't always tithe. I justified that by thinking God understands my needs. He knows where I'm at. Okay? I'm doing the best I can. All of those things were true, but it didn't change the fact that I was robbing God. You see, it takes faith to give the tithe first. It takes faith to believe that 90% of your income that's redeemed and blessed will go further than 100% that's cursed. The tithe is for our benefit not for God's. Now, this is an important part, and I can't dwell on it too long, but I will tell you this. There's a lot of people that get really uncomfortable when you start talking about money in church and why does God need my money and why does the church, all the church talks about is my money, all right? And if that's you, I apologize, but I'm, I'm going to address this real quickly. You know, there were some religious leaders that were criticizing Jesus for healing a lame man on the Sabbath day. And Jesus' response to them really just completely floored them because he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but the same application applies to the tithe. The tithe was not made for God, it was made for us. Because the tithe is God's way of blessing us. The tithe is God's way of putting his hand of protection over the remaining portion that we are depending to be able to pay our bills for the month. So the tithe is for our benefit. Now I'm going to tell you the first 
of a couple of stories. Before I do that, I need to know who has envelope number three. Sophia, good job. Come up here. Not your birthday? No? Okay. Do you look in the envelope? No? Okay, what do you think's in there? You don't know? Okay. All right. Would you like to open it? <laughs> kind of excited? Yeah. Chris said you know exactly what's in there. Did you peek? No? Okay. We're not saving the envelope. You can just, just like gift wrap, just... All right, what's in there? Money is in there, all right? How much money is in there? Should be $50. $50 is in there, all right? So if you got paid $50, how much is the tithe? $5. So, and which $5 is the tithe? The top one, the first one, right? Would you like to tithe this morning? Your parents said, yes. They said, yes, you should tithe. And then they said, we're nowhere we're doing after lunch to after church. We're going to lunch, all right? Okay, would you like to tithe? No pressure. Just put the first one there. Okay. The, and what are you going to do with the rest? You're going to keep it, right? Because it's been blessed. All right. Wow, that clock keeps moving. Um, I've been in this church a long time. Um, I'm actually older than some of the asphalt on the parking lot. And it's not in very good shape, so... One time we had a work day here at church, and myself and some of the men were across the street. We were mowing the, the field. Now, uh, we actually do have grass that grows in that field during certain times of the year. Um, and so the grass was pretty tall, and we were out mowing, and they don't usually let me get on the rider, so I, I had to use the hand mower and the weed eater because... They didn't want the equipment to get damaged, and uh, so they were mowing the field, and I had kind of trimmed my stuff, and I had taken a break, and I was standing under the picnic pavilion we have across the street, resting, and the, and the Lord speaks to me. Now, I wasn't really expecting to have an encounter with God while I'm mowing, but I will tell you that a lot of times when you're serving God, He will speak to you, which is a really good reason to to serve and as the men are mowing and I'm standing in the picnic pavilion the, the Lord asked me this question he says if you mow that grass will it grow back and I'm thinking really God you want to talk to me about grass I'm tired it's 100 degrees outside and uh, and I said yes it will grow back won't it Joe because we have to mow it again And he says, well, why, do, why does it grow back? And I'm thinking, God, you know these answers, so why? I said, because the grass grows. That's what you intended for it to do. And he says, how come when I ask you to give money, you give it like you don't think it's going to come back? And, and, you know, when God's talking to you and you think he's talking about one thing and then you find out he's really talking about something different. And so I said, I don't know, God. I don't know why when I give money I feel like I'm losing something and why the grass can be cut and grow back. And his, this was his answer. And it, it changed me. He said, the problem is the grass knows who its source is, and you don't. 
Now, I shared that one time, and somebody says, does that mean the grass is smarter than you are? Uh, that would be what the grass is, yes. See, when you think you're the source, when you think everything originates from your work and your hand, the tendency is when you give it, you're, you think you're giving part of you. But when you understand God's the source of everything, he owns everything. When you give it, you expect it to come back because you know who your source is. And it was at that time, this is 1992, 93, something like that, that I began to give my tithe first. And I never anguished over giving it, bringing it, because I knew that my source was going to be more faithful to me than he was to the grass. See, the tithe represents who's first in your life. You can tell me all day long that God is first in your life, but let me see your bank account, and I'll tell you who's first. I'll tell you whether the mortgage company's first, or whether the sporting event's first, or whether the grocery store's first. Because all I have to do is look at what comes out of your bank right after you get paid. It was during this time that God began to speak to me about separating the tithe. Before this, I had a bank account, and all of my money went into that bank account, and I paid everything. So I paid the mortgage company and the church or my tithe out of the same account. And God said, I don't want you to do that anymore. Now, some of this, you, this may be a key. It was to me. So I set up a tithe and offering bank account. Now, I will tell you, my bank tells me that I'm one of the few people that has a tithe and offering bank account. And when I make deposits in it, I have deposit slips that say tithe and offering account. And I have checks that say tithe and offering account. So they, there's, no, there's no question in whose account that is or what that money's for. And so I own my own company, so when money comes into my company, it never, ever touches my personal account. It goes into the business account, it gets transferred to the tithe and offering account, and then that money is separated to the Lord immediately. It's the first transaction that happens. I don't pay a, uh, an expense out of my business account or anything else until that money gets over into that tithe and offering account. Where does the first 10% go? Well, that's who's first. Leviticus 27.30 and Exodus 13.14 says, All the tithe of the land, whether it's the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, and it's holy to the Lord. Now, sometimes we think holy is a Bible term that doesn't pertain to our paycheck on Friday, but can I tell you that if you got paid this week, you got something that was holy? And then you had to make a decision what you were going to do with the holy part? Some of you immediately got online and paid your tithe through the online portal, or you tithe, uh, texted in. That's pretty cool. Uh, but you have to make a decision what you're going to do with the holy part. Notice the word says all, all of the tithe is the Lord's. It belongs to God. It's set apart to him. That's why it's stealing to keep it because he set it apart to himself. It's, can I tell you this? It's set apart to, for God whether you bring it or not. You see, it's not the bringing it that makes it holy. It was holy when it came into your hands. That's why it was wicked for Achan to take what God had said was holy 
That's why the tithe has to be first, because God is first. He owns all of it. If we're going to return it, we have to return it first. There are many blessings that go along with tithing, but it is the principle of faith and putting God first that initiates these blessings. Tithing, bringing the first 10% of our income to God, is how we do the right thing the right way. God does not desire a legalistic, begrudging response. He desires our hearts to be submitted to him in joy and faith. And his principles are true and work for all of us. All of us. You know, when I had the encounter with God out under the picnic pavilion and realized that I needed to tithe the first 10% and set it apart, God never, I've never had a conversation with God about all of the tithe that I mishandled prior to that point. I want you to get this. God never said, you owe me. What are you going to do about that? God's always concerned about what we're going to do from this moment forward. See, it's the redemptive act of in faith making a change. And the change starts in our heart. When we make that change, it redeems the previous actions. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There is an understanding as I move forward, I'm going to do the right thing the right way. So I'm going to tell you one more story in four minutes and 15 seconds. <laughs> but this story that I'm going to tell you occurred in 1997, and I just, I'm going to preface this in case I have to cut the story short. No other financial decision that I've made in my entire lifetime has been as significant is this decision I made in 1997. So would you like to know what that was? So 1997, my oldest daughter graduated from high school and was a freshman in college. I had a son that was a senior in high school. I had three other children. My wife was going back working on her college degree. Um, anybody see that picture? Okay. And so in September of 1997, the Holy Spirit says to me, now I've been tithing the first 10% for about five years, and the Holy Spirit says to me, I want you to give above the tithe. Now I had occasionally giving offerings when Pastor Sonny would have a really good story and the Holy Spirit would tug on my heart. And so yes, okay, I'll give, that's important. But I hadn't consistently given anything above the 10% for my entire life. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to give above the tithe. Now, he didn't tell me amount. He just said, I want you to give above the tithe. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, really, God? Okay. I got a wife in college. I got a daughter in college. I got a senior in high school. I'm, I, don't, I don't see how this is going to work. And so I did what most of us do. When God speaks to us, I just ignored him. <laughs> so I just kept doing, and then he'd come back to me a month later and he says, I'd like for you to give above the tithe. And I would look at my bank account, and there was no way in my rational mind I could process how that was going to happen. And so I just continued my strategy of, I'm just going to ignore that. September, October, November. And I remember, Pastor Sonny, you've heard this story before. I, I remember it was the first Sunday morning of December of 1997. I was sitting at my desk writing out my tithe check. And the Holy Spirit says to me, while I'm writing out the check, when are you going to obey me? Now, up until this point, he just, it was more like, I'd like for you to do this. 
And I said, I will obey you now. And I said, God, I don't know what this looks like. But if you're asking me to do it, I know you're not trying to get stuff from me. You're trying to get something to me. But again, I'm looking at the amount of money I had. And so I wrote out a check that morning for 11% of my income. Whoop-de-doo, right? 1% more than what I've been giving. You would have thought I was, he was asking for 30%, right? 1%. I wrote out my tie check that morning for 11% of my income. The very next day, I want you to hear this. The very next day, I got a phone call from a dentist, an, an ophthalmologist, uh, or an orthodontist, excuse me, in Highland Park that wanted me to begin working with his daughter. I met with him that week. He referred me to two other people, a Brad Fritz and a Dr. Carlos Navarro. Now, I, for whatever reason, oh, I can't tell you the rest of the story. I'm sorry. One of these is stop. Could you stop that for me? Thank you. Um, for whatever reason, I've never been able to remember the name of the first orthodontist, but I remember the, the other two. Those three families began to refer me to other people in the Highland Park, Preston Hollow area, where I've spent the last 22 years of my practice working. That was December of 1997. 1998, my income doubled in one year. So in September of 1998, the Holy Spirit says, I'd like for you to give above the tithe. Now, I can honestly tell you, because I'm such a quick learner, that I responded immediately. I said, yes, what would you like for me to do? He said, I want you to give 12% of your income. And in 1999, that next year, I gave 12% of the gross income of my business. Before I paid any business operational expenses, before I paid taxes, anything else, I gave 12% of my income. In 1999, my income doubled again. I'm thinking, God, this is pretty cool. I kind of like the way we're... we're <laughs> We're working good here, all right, okay? Now, I will tell you in all fairness that that pattern did not continue for the next 22 years. But my heart's desire to give above the tithe did continue. Now, I was hesitant to tell you this part, but I'm going to because, can I have three or four minutes, really? Yes, okay. From 1997 to about 2012, I increased my giving from 10% to 25% of my income. Now, I can't honestly tell you today how all that happened. All I know is that God was always faithful. And then there were several years where I'd ask God, do you want me to give more? And he'd say no. And I'm thinking, well, you've always said yes. And so even though he didn't ask me to give more tithe, I became more benevolent. I carry money we started doing the alms and so i started giving that doesn't come out of my tithe or offering envelope by the way i started carrying an envelope in my car with money in it to give to people on the street corner you say they may buy alcohol with it i don't care what they buy with it i care the fact that they know that jesus loves them and i ask them their name when i hand them the five dollar or ten dollar bill and then i tell them i pray for them and i add them to my list and i pray for them and I think a 5 or $10 bill in exchange for somebody's name and a willingness to let me pray for them is a good exchange. Regardless of what they do with the money. So I was preparing this message and I just, I do 
years ago, I used to do a lot of financial planning at this church, if you remember. But in the last few years, God began to speak to me not so much about creating a financial budget, but creating a giving budget. So, and I don't usually do this in November, but I thought, well, I'm doing this message this morning, so I created my giving budget for 2020, okay? It includes all of my tithe, which goes to this church. It includes the money that I give above the tithe that supports other ministries, missionaries. And so I asked God, now this, this is the part I want you to get, and then I'm going to close with this point. Okay? So I asked God, do you want me to increase my giving? And he said, how much would you like to increase it by? And I said, well, do you want me to start giving 26% of my income? He says, well, you could do that. He said, what would that amount to? So I, I had a calculator, and so I took my forecasted income for next year, and I just divided by 26%, and I said it would be this amount of money. He says, that figure's wrong. And I said, well, God, I was a finance major. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't tell him that. But I, honestly, I had the calculator sitting right there, and the number was on the calculator. So I hit clear. I thought, well, maybe it had another number stuck in it, and I didn't realize when I did it. So I cleared it, and I put the number, and it came out to be the same number. And I said, God, this, is, would, this would be the amount of my giving for 2020. And he says, you're wrong. I'm pausing because I'm overwhelmed with God's goodness. Because when I paused and I said, how are my numbers wrong? And he says, your numbers are wrong because you've factored the increase in your giving, but you haven't factored the increase of your income. And I said, how much are you planning to increase my income next year? And he said, would 10% be okay? And I said, that would be. And so my number was wrong because... I assumed that I could increase my giving to God and that he wouldn't increase his giving to me. And then he paused and he said this to me, I never reap where I have not sown. Now some of you will remember that verse from Matthew 25, the wicked servant made an accusation that God reaps where he doesn't sow. And part of the reasons why the master called the servant wicked is he made an assumption about God that was not true. And so I committed last night to increase my giving to 26%. And God's response was to commit to increase my income by 10%. And I think that's a pretty good deal. So now I went back and adjusted my giving budget for 2020 based upon the increased income that he's promised because God is always faithful. So real quickly, I need help with this. Who has envelope number four? Come down front. Maya. Do you have an idea of what's in that envelope? Money? Have you opened it? You peeked? Did your husband peek? Did your son peek? Nobody peeked? Okay, open the envelope. Joe Peters peeked, he said. Okay. So, would you count that for me? Or you probably already can guess how much is there, but go ahead. $2,000. 
$200 is there, 10 $20 bills. So how much is the tithe? 20 Now, which 20 is the tithe? The first one. Okay, how do you know it's the first? Because it has a label on it? Yes, all right. So would you like to tithe? Okay, you would like to tithe. And you know what you get to do with the rest? You get to keep it. You're welcome. God bless you. Who has envelope number five? Larry Stevick. Larry, would you come join me down front? Did your wife peek in that envelope? Did she prophesy over you what was in that envelope? Thank you for coming up here, sir. You are God's masterpiece. That's all right. Could you open that envelope for us? Well, he brought an instrument to open it with. The man's a professional envelope opener. Thank you, sir. So what's in there? Money is in there. How much money is in there? <laughs> Pastor Chris will be continuing the series next week. <laughs> how much is in there, sir? $500. So how much is the tithe? Tithe would be $50. But you can give 100 if you'd like. But which of the 50 is the tithe? The first one, does it have a label on it? Yes, sir. Okay, so would you like to, to tithe that amount of money? But you can do whatever you'd like because you're generous. Now you know what you get to do with the rest? You get to give it to your wife. No, you get to, <laughs> you get to keep it. You're welcome. <laughs> 